everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I'm your host, as per usual. And today, well, you know what? Now that I'm about to say his name, I, I'm not sure whether to say Rick O or just Rick O Mortis. So, Rick, what what is how? What's the best way to say your name? Uh, yeah, I'll answer to either one. <laughs> I, I generally just go by Rick O, though. Rick O, okay. And so, yeah. where, let's just start there. Where does that come from? Uh, that nickname, I don't know. Like when I was in college, I was in a band and all the dudes in the band used to call me Rico for some reason. All right. And then for the one children of October record, we just thought it was super funny to call it, to say it was Rick O Mortis. (laughs) So it was, it was a joke. Yeah. So, and and the joke stuck as they often sometimes do. So that's, that's fine. Yeah. So, okay. So Rico, you just mentioned your band children of October. Um, would you say that you guys are a Pittsburgh band or Western Pennsylvania band, West Virginia band? What are, what are you guys? We always say we're a Pittsburgh band because Western Pennsylvania, like you're either from Pittsburgh or Erie. Right. Okay. No matter where you're from, you're from one of those two places because nobody knows any of the other cities. Like neither of us live in Pittsburgh proper. Right. Uh, You know, I, I live about 40 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Timmy's about 30 minutes north of Pittsburgh. So we just say we're from Pittsburgh. And George, your usual bass player, shout out to George. Um, he's he's in West Virginia, right? So he's not even close yeah. to you guys. Yeah, he's in Morgantown. Yeah, okay. And then sometimes, if we dwell on Children of October a little bit here, uh, sometimes you have another bass player. So like when I just saw you guys recently doing the outdoor thing at Ormsby, you had, you had not George. Yeah, so we have a bunch of bass players. Over the years... We sat down and counted this one time. We've had about 30 <laughs> bass players. Oh, my God. And right now, like, we don't have... I guess George is kind of our our bass player, like, right. semi-permanent bass player. But, you know, he's in at least three other bands right. at all times. Right. So if he's busy with them, we get somebody else. Okay. The last week when we played at Ormsby, we had a guy named Tony. Um, the last couple tours that we've done, we've had a guy from New York plays in a band called Devil in the Belfry. His band, uh, his name is Brendan. Okay. So, so we, you- we try to, we, we try to stick with the same guys if we can, Right. But, you know, we just have this little pool of bass players to choose from. So children of October is you and Timmy Gibson more or less basically. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the what's the story there? Um, you guys are pretty active on the scene, but let's just talk about Children of October a little bit. What's the idea? I know it's like a horror thrash punk band, um, and we'll get into your drumming style a little bit. But uh, what are you trying to do with Children of October? What's what's the point? Uh, yeah, I think we discussed this a long time ago and we, we pretty much just said the, the goal for any band like children of October, I guess is longevity. Okay. And I guess that's just what we're, we're just trying to keep going. <laughs> trying, you know, to, I mean, like, trying to not stop. Yeah. We've been a band since 2006. Um, and a lot of the bands that we started with are gone now. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're still, we're still doing it. We're still trying to, you know, write new music and book tours and 
get out and play. So what gives you the drive to do that? So if you've been on the scene for a long time, you're a pretty well-established band. You know, I know people know you as far west as like Illinois. They, they certainly know your band. Um, mm. So what, what gives you the drive when you see peers sort of end as happens to most bands? You know, why are you guys still doing it? Uh, because we're still having fun. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of the other things we talked about. We're, we're going to do it until it's not fun anymore. Okay. And at this point, it's still fun for us. Right. No matter what bass player is playing, it's still fun? Yeah, I mean, some are more fun than others. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you care to name any names there, Rico? Uh, no. <laughs> no. We love all of our bass players, even the ones that aren't with us anymore. Right on, right on. So when you <laughs> when you first started that band, was the goal to do sort of the the standard thing? Let's get signed and let's get a you know try to put out records and let's get our Lamborghinis and all of that. Was that the initial goal with the band? No, not really. I mean, we back in '06 when we started, we just wanted to you know make a couple records and play shows that was it we didn't have any like grand plans we didn't i don't think we've ever sent our stuff to a label to try and get signed okay like we knew okay. i mean you know 15 years ago we were well i guess we were kind of a different band we we didn't really play the same style of music we were a lot more punk back okay. then right so we, i we kind of knew that like you know commercial success probably wasn't in our future mm -hmm. but we were cool with that because we liked what we were playing right right and and the horror stuff you know i think people are just going to want to ask you all the horror questions and it was just halloween and all of that sort of stuff which we're we're not going to get into here because you know i think there are other more interesting interesting things to talk about but do you ever feel like tied to that to, to that sort of genre or that idea? Can you do other stuff? Do you feel stifled at all with, with what you've started doing? Uh, no, no, I don't think either of us feel stifled by it. It was one of those things where like when we started, we were like, okay, yeah, we're a horror punk band. And then over the years, we just kind of, I guess we still have a little bit of that Im imagery. Mm -hmm. And I guess the lyrical content lends itself to that, but I don't really think we fit into the like the the norm for horror punk bands. Right. And and you know, I would agree. To... I would agree, you know, especially so if we talk about your drumming here a little bit, your drumming is a lot more dynamic than than I think most people would think of when they think of horror punk or or Ramones influenced sort of punk punk stuff. You guys are doing a lot more interesting stuff. You do blast beats, you do all of that sort of traditional metal stuff, but it's in a different context, which is what I think makes it interesting. So did that evolve over time? Like you were just saying, like your drumming style along with, with the music that you guys were putting out? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not really a metal guy. I mean, I, I do like metal and I, there's some band, metal bands that I love, but I never really focused on playing like metal drums. Okay. I was always more of a punk guy. Okay. The, I think a lot of the metal influence comes from Timmy because okay. he's more of a metal guy. Okay. But even though you're throwing in blast beats and in a lot of double kick and all of that, so you, you're yeah. not, you're not feeling like that's, that's too metal, I guess is, is maybe the way I'll, I'll phrase it. Yeah. I don't think that the way our, our songs are structured, I, I don't think it comes off as being, too metal okay you know we're still 
we're still playing like you know pseudo punk thrash and i th- i think the, the way the songs are constructed they they just come off as being you know children walked over not like we're trying to be the next metal band okay and and again another question about your your drumming style really good musicians can do stuff and they look like they're not doing anything right they're super relaxed yeah. and you know really good guitar players they they do that same thing and you have that vibe about you where you can do all this stuff and you don't even look like you're you, you're breaking a sweat so how <laughs> how is that possible you know what is, what does it take to look like a machine up there that's funny i can assure you that there's sweat <laughs> it, it's a lot of practice so you know a lot of the stuff we play extremely fast. So it's a lot of uh, muscle memory. You know, when we write those songs before we play them out, you know, we play them hundreds of times, like maybe not together, but I'll sit in the basement and play those songs, you know, hundreds of times until I don't have to think about it. So are, and then, yeah. So then are you doing like the same fills and that you, you're keeping your arrangement, the stuff that you're playing on the drums, you're keeping it pretty much the same every time then if you're talking about muscle, yeah, memory, right? 99% of it's the same every, every time. Okay. So then you really don't have to think about, Oh, do I put a fill here or not? You're just, you're playing what the song, how you wrote the song basically. Right. Okay. Right. And I mean, some of those songs evolve over time. They, they change a little bit, right? but you know, overall it's it's the same as when we wrote it so it's the ten thousand hour thing so before we started the podcast uh i i did mention that that i play drums i'm certainly not a drummer um and i don't ever practice because i can do my punk rock beat um but you're really doing the ten thousand hour thing to be a proficient you know good drummer great drummer yeah yeah i would say you know i've been playing drums since i was 13 ish so I've, I've probably clocked in well over 10,000 hours of uh, time behind the kid. So so let me ask you this. This is for anybody that listens to the podcast regularly. You'll know that this is the question that has to happen next. And that question is, why are drummers the worst? And that could be, <laughs> that could be a lot of different things. It could be the drummer who wants to secretly be the front man, right? So he's always yeah. trying to garner all the attention. Or it could be the drummer who plays in 17 different bands where he never has actually time for your band. Or he could be uh, the drummer that just gets drunk and falls over, you know? So why are drummers such, why are they the worst? Why are they their own beast? <laughs> <laughs> see, see that's, a, that's a question that you would have to ask the guys I'm in a band with. <laughs> I'm, in my opinion, you know, I, I have no desire to be the front man. I don't drink. I would say, personally, I'm the worst because I'm super type A okay. when it comes to when it comes to a lot of band related stuff. So, like, if we're on tour, I am the one who's like waking everybody up in the hotel room. Like, come on, get up, get a shower. We have to go. You know. I uh, yeah. So you're that, doing be, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I didn't. That would know. be a good, a good question to ask Timmy. Yeah, that that will be. So once once I get Timmy on the show, that will be a really good question to ask. So so type A, that's interesting. Um, so you're the guy that's that's driving the bus basically, right? For for Children of October, is that an accurate way to describe it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So are you? 
when you talk about booking tours and figuring out recording schedules and all of that, are you the guy that's on the phone sending the emails to, to bookers and clubs and trying to get all that stuff? Yeah, I book all of our tours, all of our shows. Um, when we're out on the road, I figure out where we're going to stay. I settle up with the promoters. Um, I even like, I don't design, I design some of our merch. George designs a lot of it. I print our merch. So like I have control over pretty much everything. Okay. And everybody, yeah. So everybody in the band is cool with that then, because uh, I think what most people who aren't in bands don't maybe don't realize is that people fall into the roles in the bands, right? So you you have these yeah. personalities and you make things work like any relationship. But if you have that situation where you have two guys trying to steer the bus, then that doesn't work at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I've I've been in bands like that before where there's two super type A guys trying to captain the ship and then it just, it doesn't work out ever in my experience. Okay, cool. And you, uh, you're also listed as the sometimes drummer uh, of the independence. So what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started playing with independence back in like 2013, but they're from like North Carolina or something, right? They're from far away. Yeah. They're from, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina, Myrtle okay. okay. Beach. All right. Um, yeah, I started playing with them back in 2013. Um, I was supposed to do some some shows with them like the, the year prior. Some stuff happened. 2013, they had a like a six or seven week tour booked, and like a week before, their drummer bailed, and they were like, "Hey, can you can you do this?" So I that was my first show. Like, I never practiced with them. I just flew to Texas and played wow. a show with them wow. and we were on the road for six or seven weeks. Wow. That's amazing. And then, so now you're, do they do shows without you or do they call you only for certain things or how does that work? Uh, I do most of their tours. Okay. Now if they have like local shows or, you know, weekenders or whatever, um, they'll get local guys that are, you know, down in South Carolina to do them but any sort of tours I try to do them, you know, if it doesn't conflict with any children of October stuff. All right. All right. Cool. We were, we were out last year or last year, uh, 2019, we were out in March when everything shut down. We were like three days into a tour. Oh my God. So, so what, so what happened there? Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, we were three days in, we were headed to Las Vegas for, the Viva Scott Vegas festival. And they booked, I, I want to say it was like 21 or 24 days, you know, out there and back. And the week that everything shut down, it was like March, everything shut down on this March 16th. I yeah, think it was like right around St. Patrick's day. I was actually in Germany trying to get back. I was, I was almost stuck in Germany. Yeah. Jeez, man. So yeah, we were, I flew down to Atlanta to meet up with them. I think on the, on the 11th. And then our, our first show was on that Thursday in Georgia. And then from there we went to uh, Pensacola and then Panama city, Florida, I think. And like every day we turn on the news and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And we were like, okay, what do we do? And finally, 
we had, it wasn't a day off, but we had like a day where we could just like chill out and kind of figure out what we wanted to do. And our bass player on that tour was from Canada. And one of his friends from Canada called him and was like, Hey, they're going to close the borders. So you have to come home. <laughs> so that was pretty much the end of the tour. So we just, we had to call it. I mean, it was going to get canceled one way or the other. Right. Right. So we just, uh, we drove back up to Georgia and then flew home from there. Oh, wow. When you, when you do something like that, when you're, when you're flying out to do a tour, what's the gear situation? Cause drums are notoriously difficult to transport. So are you renting backline or what's happening? Yeah. So the first time I played with the independence, I actually bought a drum kit and had it shipped to the guitar player's house. It was, I, I bought it on eBay. It was an orange County kit and uh at the end of that tour i sold it to the independence because it was cheap it was like i don't know three hundred dollars three three fifty or whatever so at the end of the tour i was just like hey do you guys want to buy this kit then you have a kit for all of your drummers and then you know for my my pedal and cymbals and everything i just ship my own uh, for the independence if i'm meeting them on tour somewhere i'll just ship all my stuff to their guitar player's house. Okay. Cause he has like, he has a business, a screen printing business and he gets like, you know, super cheap shipping through FedEx or UPS or whatever. Okay. So, you know, I'll just ship my stuff down there and it's like, you know, 30 bucks as opposed to trying to fly with it where it would be right. Right. ridiculous. Right. So speaking of touring, I have a couple of questions there, but let's start with this. When I the first time I saw you guys was I think in 2019 you had done maybe a week or just a weekend thing. Derek Reed was with you, and uh, my wife and I had just moved to Pittsburgh and we were at a house show in Ford City, and you guys rolled up and you came down to the basement <clears throat> at Eric John's house, yeah. and uh, and you know. So I'd never heard of you. I'd never seen you before. And we were all just blown away. And what I distinctly remember, I was standing like sort of right next to you because it was a basement. Right. And it was so, so loud. Like, and I had earplugs in and it was so loud in that basement. Like I was dizzy. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I want to say we definitely played a couple shows that weekend. I want to say we played in Philly and maybe uh, Altoona. Okay. Yeah, I think it went like Altoona, Philly, and then on the way back, we, we played that house show. Stopped at Eric's house, yeah. So yeah. The, the question I have there then is, do you have a day job that allows you to just go on tours, to go on two weeks or, or five weeks or whatever? Do you have that flexibility? I, I do. Yeah. yeah, I have a day job that I've worked at since 2008. Okay. So 13 years now. Okay. And they've been super supportive and understanding of me just being like, Hey, I got to leave for six weeks. And they're like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm an IT guy. So okay. like, I just bring a laptop with me Okay. and I can do, I can do about half of my job from the road. I'm not the only IT guy. Right. So, you know, there's two of us, there's a guy on site while I'm out. So it works out that way. Wow. That's, that's cool. I mean, anytime, uh, people in the that are trying to do music can can get a job like that that can sustain a lifestyle while you pursue music you know that's that's wins yeah. all around um and yeah. y- you got that job when you were 
you know, obviously doing doing music. So had it always been like that, or did you have to work your way up to saying, okay, I'm going out for four weeks, peace out? Um, when I first started there, I wasn't really touring a whole lot. Okay. Just I was just doing like weekends and you know little little jaunts here and there. And then in 2009, I joined another band that toured a lot. So it was one of those things where I just went and told my boss, I was like, Hey, I'm joining this band and you know, we're going to be touring a lot. We're going to do stuff like in Europe and whatnot. Is that cool? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. They're like, you can just take a laptop and wow, do your job on the road. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So as you, w- when you think about this dichotomy of your, your day job and everything that you're trying to do with music, including October Studios, which we'll talk about here in, in, a, in a second, how are you mm-hmm. splitting, how are you splitting your time? How are you making sure that you're devoting enough time to your day job and music and your family and ev- whatever else you, you need to do? You know, you already described yourself as type A, so are you like keeping a spreadsheet of, of where you're keeping time or stuff like <laughs> that? But, you know, how, how are you doing? doing that yeah i'm not that bad yet <laughs> but like you know my day job i work eight to four okay so when i leave my day job i leave my day job right and then i do whatever else i need to do for the day so you know like i generally leave my day job go to the gym and then depending on you know what i have going on i'll either come home and practice or go to the studio and do stuff mm-hmm. uh my wife just opened her own business too. So, you know, she's super busy doing that. Right. And occasionally we see each other. <laughs> like, like right now, uh, this week, we both took the week off. So like we can actually see each other. Okay. Uh, that's good. That's, that's important to do. Uh, yeah. Speaking of wives, uh, we were at a Children of October show. I don't remember which one now, but my wife bought a t-shirt because uh, she really digs you guys. And she yeah. loved, loved the t-shirt, just like the material and the design. And I'm not, this will sound like exaggeration, but she wore it to bed, I swear, for three weeks in a row. And finally I was like, <laughs> you have to stop wearing this t-shirt. I don't want to see it anymore. You That's know? awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, something I printed got that much, got that much love. <laughs> And then one other thing before we go into the studio, uh, the what I've started calling the Children of October haircut. So anybody that that knows Rico and and Timmy a little bit, he doesn't have quite the extreme as you. It's shaved on one side and really long on the other. So is that like the official haircut of Children of October? I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny when uh, the uh, Brendan, our bass player from New York, whenever he plays with us he has the, the same haircut too. Like the two guys that we use here don't, I don't think they have it. George has super long hair, but he yeah. does, it's not shaved. It's not shaved. Yeah. Right. When, when Brendan's with us, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> we all have identical haircuts. And did you talk about that at all? At least with Timmy or just no. who, who copied who then Rico? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I had, my, my hair was long on both sides for a while. And then I just shaved the one side off. Okay. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Someone it's should a, lay claim to that. There's dibs there uh, for future band fights. You know, I think that that's an important high ground to have. 
Can you copyright a, ha- a haircut? <laughs> I, I don't know. Can you eat, trade? Maybe trademark it. Can you? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about October Studios. Why did you open a music production studio in the middle of a pandemic? It was something that I had wanted to do for a while. Okay. And uh, last year, with the complete absence of playing music, it just seemed like a good time to do it because I had a lot of time in my hands. So like it was, it was kind of a project born out of boredom and frustration, right? But also something that I'd wanted to do for a while. And the opportunity, the, the like the space presented itself. So I just went ahead and did it. So did you like get a storefront or a warehouse or something and rent it out or lease it and then build it out or was it already sort of there for you? Describe some of that stuff. It was already sort of there. So it's in the same building that my day job is in, but it's a separate, my day job is in a converted warehouse that was turned into office spaces. Okay. So the, the part of that, that the studio is in is it's separate from the main office, but it was a, uh, it was like a mail order parts place prior. So, um, after they moved out, I moved in, had to do some remodeling, like I didn't lock a hole in the wall and put a window in and, mm-hmm. you know, do a bunch of like studio stuff. Right. But, you know, for the most part, it was pretty much good to go. Cool. And how are you trying to attract customers? Just Facebook, you putting out Google ads, you shouting from the top of your house, you know, what are you trying to do to get people in there? Yeah. So uh, right now we're just doing like uh, Facebook and Instagram ads. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got the Google thing situated because I'm, I'm a separate suite for an address. Okay. So it took a while to get that, uh, registered with Google, but okay. now that that's registered, we can do Google ads. Okay. Um, so we'll probably start doing that soon. Cool. And is the goal there to be able to quit your day job? You know, what's, what's going to be success for, for October studios? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be success or not. I mean, it would be nice to do music for a living. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't dislike my, my day job. Right. So, you know, it's one of those things where if, if I could do, if, if the roles could be reversed where, you know, my primary job was the studio and then, you know, doing IT consulting or whatever. Right for my day job, you know, that would be, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. So you have no concrete plans to sort of get there. I know the studio is very new and we've already talked about like the band stuff you're doing mostly for fun. There's no real drive to try to monetize that, like getting signed or whatever the old music model is. Um, um, so, so as you, as you push forward with your career, um, you, you seem like a pretty happy and well-adjusted and satisfied guy, right? And so you're just trying to s- stay the course then more than anything else. Is is that a good way to, to phrase it? Yeah. I mean, I'm al- always trying to uh, progress in whatever right. I'm doing. Right. But, you know, I'm also content 
with, you know, what I'm doing now. Right. Right. Cool. So if you have advice for, for young drummers coming up that, uh, that want to do something, what's, what's the, what's the best piece of advice that, that you've gotten or that you could give to, to someone who wants to make the terrible mistake of not being a guitar player and actually wants to be a drummer? What would, what would you tell them? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just practical advice is, you know, practice a lot, practice to a click, practice to your favorite records, practice to, records that aren't your favorite just practice a lot learn new stuff um you know don't skip out on your your rudiments right learn all the basic stuff the before you try stuff, and get the right. stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah i mean more than anything else you just got to practice cool I want to thank everyone who's listening. It is always very much appreciated. Please continue to listen. Please do all of the social media stuff. And please, please, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and that sort of thing. It really helps out the show. I want to thank Rick O. Mortis from Children of October and sometimes the Independence and October Studios for, for, for coming on the show. It's been, it's been great to talk to you, Rick. Thank you so much. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. Man.